Well, here we go. I didn't get to tell this story in the last little bit, but we're going to do that now. Because uh, my mindset has sort of changed here. CarPro.com talk line is one 800 The Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. Uh, this past weekend, I went and I shot this YouTube video where, uh, let, let me set the stage. So on Lock and Load with Bill Frading, I have these two segments. One is with a guy named uh, Dean Weingarten, who is a writer who has written more articles. He's the biggest writer in the gun space on the planet. And he comes on my show twice a week. And we discuss some things. And one of the things we discuss is pistol defense against bears when you're out in the woods. Then I have another guy who comes on uh, later on in the week named Super Dave Harrington. Super Dave Harrington spent 20 years in the military in special operations the whole way. And he has, since he's been out of the military, he has become uh, a pistol instructor of the type to where he, he does crazy drills, like running on a treadmill while he's shooting at targets. Crazy drills. And he's the one that a lot of the other instructors seek out to train with just simply because he's just that good. So in connection with what Dean and I had talked to uh, when uh, when I went by Dewey's and I got the 44 Magnum, I decided to take it out and compare that to a 10 millimeter. So I shot those over the weekend and I discovered once again, as I've always known about the 10 millimeter pistol, that uh, 10 millimeters is pretty good. 40, the 44 was very sweet, but there's the only problem with the 44 is it's six rounds. That's the only problem. Otherwise, it's a great gun. And uh, so, my my as I was thinking about this, I then <laughs> I then uh, got out there and I was thinking, uh, well, you know, if I had the right holster and the right rig, I could carry the 10 as a primary carry weapon. Now, the, the, the particular pistol I carry is, uh, is modeled on the Glock 20. It's actually got a poly 80 lower. Uh, they would call that a ghost gun, except mine has a serial number on it because it was built by a guy named Roger Ward in Easley. And it was built for me. So I'd taken that out. Boy, that, boy, that thing shot well. And I wasn't shooting a, you know, a real serious 10-millimeter load, but I have, and they're very manageable for me and everything else. So I'm, I'm just thinking in the back of my head, I ought to get a good holster made for this. And start carrying this, and I'll tell you why in just a minute. I call Super Dave, and uh, Super Dave, who also has a Glock 20, he's been doing the same thing. So we started discussing why this would be a thing, and and here it is. So like, and this is what really the whole thing with Second and Charles, the the, the mass stabbing. This is what made me start going in this direction. When somebody's coming at you with a knife. At 21, if they're 21 feet away and you don't have your gun out and aimed at them, they very likely are going to close that. They call it the Tula drill. And um, at 21 feet, they can close enough distance with you and get up on you and be shanking you before you get your weapon up, out, and on them. So if you are fast enough, or if you, you know, that's if you're standing still, watch them go and, oh, wow, he's really coming at me. Um, the, uh, the, the whole thing comes down to, you got to be able to move around and everything. But then next comes up. Here's a guy, and I don't know anything about this particular guy that did this mass stabbing. I would think that if you're going to start stabbing people, though, you're going to have an adrenaline dump, wouldn't you? And with that, I began to question the efficacy of how well my 9 millimeters might run on this guy. So here I am. 
And I'm thinking about the 10 because the 10 handgun rounds are weak. We default to handguns as a self-defense option because they're easy to carry. And to a certain degree, we've gotten ridiculous with it. People go out there now and they, they're buying guns about the same size. I used to have a cigar lighter when I smoked cigars that were shaped like a pistol. Some of these pistols that are out there now are about the same size as my cigar lighter. The only problem with that is while it's real easy to hide, at the same time when you actually have to pull it out if you have to shoot it more than two or three times, well, it's not fun. And you're not going to train with it. And that's key. I'm being asked what happened at 2nd and Charles. Uh, recently at 2nd and Charles, somebody stabbed three people at 2nd and Charles. And I was there Saturday. <laughs> it's past Saturday. I don't know what day all this happened. I heard about this yesterday. So um, to this end, I'm making this thought. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to decide that I'm probably going to, when I get it back, I took it to back to Roger Ward. And I said, let's mount this dot on it. Can you make me a good holster for this so I can carry it? And. Uh, I'm going to have this nice hideout holster. It doesn't weigh it. As a matter of fact, a 10 millimeter, 15 round Glock weighs less than the six round 44 Magnum does when they're both loaded. So it's not going to weigh that much. It's 2.2 pounds, two pounds, two ounces, excuse me. So I was thinking about that. And the thing about 10, the 10 millimeter is that uh, this would also work against a car. Oh, Bill, you're going to go shooting cars? Well, you know, recently we've seen cars ramming into people. And my whole thought as I'm going here, I'm just thinking, what would be a good gun that I can use that goes that would work against a bear, that would work against a human, that would work against a car or a barrier? What if somebody's behind a barrier, right? Well, 10 millimeter will breach that if you got the right load in it. And so I just found that amazing that Super Dave, and I mean, I, Super Dave and I come at it from different thought processes, and we arrive at the same thing. That was the funny part about it for me. Because when I called him and I was talking about it yesterday, this is what the show is going to be about this uh, Friday when we talk. And, um, yeah, uh, when, when he told me he was thinking along the same lines, and he's going, he's getting the holsters made and all that other stuff. And he has a holster he calls the S-Dave rig, which I have one of. And that's a really good holster. And I said, listen, if you get one of those made, get one made for the Poly 80 trigger guard, would you? So I can have one too. And uh, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to start training with my nines because that's it, that's an inexpensive way to train. And I'm going to start carrying my 10. And there you have it. That's just, uh, I just found that interesting that, this is a guy. Super Dave has bodies. He he's got a he's got a body count. He was involved in real world stuff, and uh, his uh, his his whole approach to gunfighting is the same approach they have in the military, where it's just steps. You're constantly working on the steps. You got the steps in your mind's eye. So when that moment comes, if you have to actually draw a weapon, you're going into the steps. And all of his equipment and all of the guns he carries and the, the holsters he uses and the way he dresses, all of that is made up in order to do what you got to do when you start going into the steps, when you start re replaying this in your head. And all of that was driven home by the fact that we had a mass stabbing in Greenville, South Carolina. And, you know, what do we got happening in Asheville? Asheville's within the uh, broadcast area. We, we, we got all kinds of crazy things happening in Asheville. Uh, you know, 
So I, I think it's time for me to up my game, which means I'm going to be building out this uh, 10 millimeter to a ridiculous degree. <laughs> um, I don't know the questions on the ballot are not even. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I, I so to that end. When I was asking you if it worries you that this is happening, it, it worries me. It worries me because I like to exist out and about. And I'm not going to exist out and about and be preoccupied with what's going on. But if I'm going to go out and about and I know certain things are going to go on, I think I'm going to equip myself in such a way to where I stop something if something bad is happening i want to be able to stop it before it causes too much damage i'm not worried about me personally being a target because i'm old and i'm you know i just sort of try to shrink up against the wall but um i, I don't you know the the biggest biggest issue i have with crime today is the crimes on the innocent and i don't want to see that happen in front of me and if it's happening in my general vicinity and my zip code the uh, odds just narrowed so that's where my head's been since uh, Sunday. That's where my head's been since Sunday. Uh, yeah, here we go. <laughs> Somebody's telling me, well, it'll over-penetrate and you're responsible. Yeah, I know that. Thanks very much. I appreciate that. <sighs> like, I'm not going to take, take those sort of actions. Artificial intelligence has lost its mind and it's running amok. And I'm going to give you two examples of that. One was really entertaining for me. That when we get back, this is News Talk 98.9 WORD. All right. CarPro.com talk line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. Let's go to Bonnie and Taylor's about the second and Charles stabbing. Yes, ma'am. Hello? Hey. Yeah. Uh, you have just really burst my bubble, my friend. I am just devastated. Well, I didn't mean to do that, Bonnie. More information. No, forearmed. Forewarned is forearmed, like Bonnie. The, yeah. I'm just like the rest of the people in South Carolina and Greenville. All that goes on in the world really isn't my problem and my concern. Well, I'm not that naive. And that it happened in Greenville does not surprise me. Right. It doesn't make me happy. So where does a 78-year-old grandmother get a weapon that she could handle? And what would she get? Uh, I would go to Dewey's and I'd tell him that you want a a three eighty semi automatic with a big grip. Where would you go again? Dewey's Pawn Shop on Augusta Road. Okay. I'm giving a serious thought to that because it's like you know let's let's go, go in, off of this. Go in there. I mean, Dewey's a sponsor of the show, and if, if you if yeah. you tell him if you tell him that you heard about it here, he's even going to give you a special. But let me let me tell you one thing about. Uh, people in our age group, Bonnie, because I'm in my 60s. Uh -huh. One thing I've learned about people that get into the, you know, the senior citizen category, uh, those are the most effective self-defense handgun people I know of because they make oh, the decision yeah. really quick and they don't have any issues with it at that point because they've seen no, so much of life. They're not going to. Yeah. 
Yeah, at 78, are you going to arrest me and put me in jail? You know, try to drag this 78-year-old grandmother out of her house and well, see how what kind of publicity you make. <laughs> well, but Bonnie, see, here's the thing. See, you, you exist in South Carolina where you have castle doctrine. Do you know what that is? Uh-uh. Castle doctrine states that anywhere that you can be legally where you're not committing a crime, you have no duty to retreat. And that's important because, like, for me, my knees are shot. If somebody comes at me and they want to attack me, if I lived in New York, I would have to try to get away from them before I could defend myself to have any chance at not going to jail. In South Carolina, that is not the case. So in your car, at the mall, wherever you are, wherever you can be legally and you're not committing a crime, I don't think you would have to worry about that. Would it be called premeditated to go in Greenville and prepare yourself? <laughs> no, it isn't because if that's I'm, I, being, don't you have a spare tire in your car? Well, yeah. Do you do you have a first aid kit anywhere in your house? A fire extinguisher? Yeah. Okay, so you're just prepared for bad when good things go bad, right? That's right. I don't People start do, the fire. I don't make the flat. <laughs> right there, you go. There you go. You're just changing it or putting it uh, out. And I mean, perfectly. It's perfectly. Go, go go to Dewey's. Get you a gun. Go get you a gun, Bonnie. I will. Thank absolutely. you so much. Ab- absolutely. Go get you that gun. So, yeah. Castle Doctrine. I like Castle Doctrine. There's uh, two recent stories about AI, and it has run amok, and we should be aware of this simply because, uh, well, it's not ready for prime time. Now, the first of these stories is uh, is pretty funny because it's uh, – it appeared in a journal called Frontiers in Cell and Development Biology. And the authors at the Hungui Hospital in China used AI imagery to illustrate the report about signaling pathways for sperm stem cells. Now, I'm not going to go too much into uh, <laughs> detail here. Let's just say that they... they they, they, I guess the, the, what they told the AI to do was to... Let's uh, do a drawing of a rat with a well-developed reproductive system. So this rat looks like an X-rated Mad Magazine illustration with, uh, shall we say, enormous tackle. And then, not only did they, you know, not only did they get out there and uh, have that drawing made by AI. Then they accidentally published it with a report. <laughs> uh, and I'm not going to get too descriptive of it. It's 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 hilarious in one of those locker room sort of ways. But this is a warning of things to come. When you get out there and uh, do that kind of stuff, uh, well. Then Air Canada they tried to outsource customer relations to an AI program. I'm seeing this a lot with YouTube channels too. You whole YouTube channels have sprung up and there's not actually it's humans running them, but the actual do, person doing the presenting is an AI voice. So in my run up to like picking out my turntable for my vinyl, I was looking for, you know, ratings of turntables and I come to one of these AI channels and it's like this will play your vinyl very well. My vinyl. Anyway, um uh, Canada's, we get this, uh, Canada's largest airline has been ordered to pay compensation after its chatbot gave a customer inaccurate information, misleading him into buying a full-price ticket. 
Air Canada came under further criticism for later attempting to distance itself from the error by claiming the bot was responsible for its own actions. Uh, no. And amid a broader push by companies to automate services, this raises questions about the level of oversight companies have over the chat tools. You can't put this in place and, uh, and, and then expect it to run. Right? Computers use this uh, inexorable logic that will hunt for answers, and if they're not available, create them out of whole cloth. And this is this is in illustrative, if you will, illustrative uh, of how artificial systems struggle with concepts that the human brain instantly understands, the nuance of things that goes along with it. When you see a word, right, who's to decide how the word should be pronounced? For, for example, talking about vinyl versus vinyl, right? Now, it does have its places, right? One of the things that I have to be concerned with and that everybody in media has to be concerned with is copyrighted images. So having AI, AI say, get out there and let's see, uh, I, I need to see a uh, picture of Nancy Pelosi with her gigantic croquet-sized mallet when she was Speaker of the House, and it'll draw it, and I don't have to worry about it. And I don't expect the AI genie to go back in the bottle because it's just too easy to use. But it is going to, it, it is not mature at the moment. So, <laughs> so uh, I, I saw that and I was just thinking, wow. And here's the thing, like with Air Canada, this, they had to pay, They let's see, what do they have to pay? They had to pay, uh, 650 Canadian dollars as well as 36 Canadian dollars and 125 Canadian dollars in fees. That's still cheaper and easier than a real employee. And the hiccup of paying that few hundred bucks is still better than trying to accommodate the needs of a multi-gender, multi-racial, completely crazy employee with big demands and unlimited employee rights who doesn't plan to come to work. But now the the you know while AI does have the advantage of making the entire process easier, I, I guess there's some people that would say, well, you might have to put up uh, <laughs> you might have to put up uh, with an occasional gigantic rat man tackle, I guess. Now, the only way to stop this would be to ask Congress to do something like that, and then you know. Given the way they take and uh, you know try to get relax that some of these fraud things that apply in other areas of the law, but given the way they prostitute everything they seem to pass, I uh, I don't see that as a thing. I really don't. I do not see this as uh, something that we ought to look into. Sometimes. Government doesn't need to be involved in it. Sometimes we need, you know, if you if you were like a Chinese student and you were looking at that medical journal and you want to be a Chinese doctor and all of a sudden you see this picture, you wouldn't have known that existed if I had not told you about it. So somebody's asking me about why I got into vinyl. I'm going to tell you, and this is, this is poignant today. I'm going to tell you, uh, I'm going to tell you why I got back into vinyl because that in today's day and times, it means something. And we'll tell you that when we get back. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD.
All right, why have I gone back to vinyl? That's the question on the text line that I'm going to address. The uh, carpro.com talk line is one 800 The Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. I do the show, I stream the show live on the WORD Facebook page, if that is your cup of tea. Um, how many times have we heard lately coming out of the World Economic Forum that we will own nothing and like it? When I was at SHOT Show in 2018, uh, I was talking to this marketing guy, and he was really big into music, too. I have a gigantic iTunes collection of music. And I asked him, because it just, it just popped into my head, what happens to all that music that I have bought, quote-unquote bought, on iTunes when I die? Have you ever thought about that? See, there's, I know what intellectual property is, but see, uh, this is not intellectual property for me. This is, I, when I, and I've come to this uh, conclusion. I have a, big, I have a fairly big uh, uh, DVD collection because that means I physically own them. That means when I stick it in there, like if I stick in a DVD of Blazing Saddles, I don't have a warning popping up in there and uh, going, uh, this rec this reflects attitudes of the time. Because I just cannot stand the politically correct. Now, with music, I love music. Uh, I love music. If, if, I w if I had not pursued the whole talk thing, I could see me going to the stone man and begging him for a job because I just love that music. I love music that much. And so for me, and I like a lot of different kinds of music. I like classical. I like I like opera. I like uh, the ballet, the, the, the scores behind ballets. And I like all kinds of rock and some country and not, not a lot of country, but some. And, um, but I'm, you know, new metal, just name it. And I realized that once again, this music collection that I have, when I die, it will be gone. I don't own it. And I thought about that long and hard. And even though a uh, nowadays, like with vinyl, a new pressing of an album, which is going to play better than just about any older pressing of an album that has been treated just normally. You know, I, there, there's certain albums I like to get the original pressing of, like... Uh, I'd like to find the album by a group called Maserati with a Z because that was the first group Prince got out there and actually let play some of his songs prior to Vanity Six and Apollonia Six and The Time and, you know, all that other stuff. Although The Time was actually playing around. They were all part of this little Minneapolis clique. Maserati made one album and it was really good and then they vanished. And I could find it. If I, but it's not pressed here. So, I, you know, whatever I find is probably going to come out of Japan. Or Germany, possibly. But I could find it, and I would own it. I have copies of the song. I have copies of the song. But, I mean, uh, so... As I, I, as I think about these things, and the things that we become used to, right? How many of you know how many things you subscribe to that you probably don't use that much, but it's coming out of your checking account monthly? And you don't remember it because you don't physically have it. You don't, you know, like if, if it's a uh, if it's a 
scheduling app, for example. You get you sign up for the scheduling app because it looks good. You saw it on Instagram. You saw it on this. Um, and you, you sign up for it, and then you look at it, and it doesn't work. How many of you remember to go back and cancel that? But And, you know, because out of sight, out of mind, right? So with me, I have decided to go back all the way analog. That One of the, one of the reasons I love radio is it is still an analog analog delivery system although we do things with it right now i'm 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 set up here and uh you know i'm i'm shooting into this box it takes the analog and turns it into a digital and it fires it at my guy will and he catches it and he turns it from digital back into analog and then it goes out he does whatever he does the massage he does to it out it goes into the radio ether but the analog part of it this is the kind of thing that will never fail (laughs) (laughs) You know, this is not the kind of thing. Any mistake I make here, like if I made a verbal same sort of mistake as the enormous man tackle on a rat on radio, you guys would know it immediately. But I'm not likely to do that because I'm aware. I'm a human and I have the nuance and everything else. I'm I'm not trying to entertain you with something that I just imagine you might be entertained by. And I think in a lot of cases, the problem that we face today is that all of this digital stuff that we have, which is miraculous, has made some of these great things that we've accomplished, these great movies, this great music, the, the great books, right? All the, there's, a book, there's a bookstore that sent me an email, Angel's Bookstore, all the, across the street from the uh, Home Depot on a uh, Pleasantburg as you head towards Cherrydale. They have some of the best, they have the best older book collection I've ever seen in my life, written by people that would never have imagined in their wildest imagination that somebody would get out there and turn this into a digital thing that you can read on your iPad. There's, is there any magic to that? Is there any, any, is there any sort of intimate feeling with that? I know some people just want to read things just for the sake of reading things. Like I, I read news that way. Re- news is fine because that changes every day. No way to no way to save all that stuff up. But some things that you just absolutely play over and over again, like Van Halen's nineteen eighty four. That what a, what an album is that? Or Steely Dan's Asia. What kind of an album is that? I mean, you can listen to that over and over again. Steely Dan's Asia came out when I was fourteen years old. And I'm I'm going to be 63 in a month and a half, and uh, I still find it great. I still just enjoy it. I can sit back and close my eyes and listen to that. And nowadays, things are so good with turntables and speakers and the way you can take care of the vinyl and everything. There's just no sound like it. And because of that, because I re- came to that realization that the analog is so much better than the digital, plus I really do own it, that's why I've switched back to vinyl. I will still get some things on iTunes for some things that I just want to listen to that I don't necessarily find uh, great. But (laughs) all those things considered, um, there's just something to be said for sitting back. And do do you want, at the end of your time, do you want everybody to try to figure out how to break into your iPhone to find out what all you owned? Is that going to be the summation of your life, your digital footprint? Or do you really want to have something that is left behind that is indicative of what you thought and what you were doing? 
when when we get back, the French government is uh, they they've decided to come down to this. They, they're saying that if you're sick and you don't listen to us when we tell you you're sick, well, obviously you're crazy and you have to go to jail. This is News Talk ninety eight nine W O R D. Okay, so why do we need to pull out of NATO? I'm going to tell you a reason why. (laughs) In France, they recently passed something called Article 4. This essentially creates a new crime of provocation to abstention from medical care, which basically says uh, that if you uh, abstain from following therapeutic or any sort of medical treatment that's punishable by one year of imprisonment and a fine of 15,000 euros, which is a lot of money. And uh, so basically, your doctor knows better than you, and you better do what they say. And if it's, uh, they can increase the penalty by up to three years of imprisonment and a fine of 45,000 euros. And it's now awaiting final approval in the French Senate. So, you know, in this particular case, you remember when Prince died? Prince died because uh, he died of a fentanyl overdose, but the reason he died was he had just completely wrecked his hips doing all of that high heel dancing. And because he was a Jehovah's Witness, he did not believe in surgery. So he self-medicated instead, which I'm almost certain this Jehovah's Witness was probably frown on too. But in this particular moment, this is what he wanted to do. His life, right? His life. We see this all the time coming out of Europe, though, especially in 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 uh, in in England. In England, they're constantly well, not constantly, but more on two occasions that I know of, they've had babies that had really bad disease that was going to kill them anyway, and they've had other people offer in various countries in Europe to uh, to treat them. And they've been able to raise enough money to where they could afford to do it themselves. They didn't need the help of the NHS for out of the, out of the UK. And the UK steps in and says, oh, no, we're making them a ward of the state. They will die anyway, no matter what you want to do. And this is what socialized medicine brings. So while everybody's out there going, well, Medicare for all, Medicare for all, everybody should have it. It's a human right. It's a, it's a right to have medical insurance. Be careful what you wish for on this one. Because the way they practice it over there in Europe, uh, and you know, which was sort of, I, I kind of think this is sort of a, one of the undercurrents running around with Obamacare when they were putting it together, and why we have some states in the United States today that have euthanasia. But when you get involved in something like that, when you turn over all this stuff to them, guess what? Guess who's in charge of all this? Them! I can think of certain instances that if somebody came to me and said, what, what would you do if this was the uh, way it was for you and you, you had no possible hope? You knew there was just no, this was the end of the road. This is no hope of you ever getting any better. Okay. I would have my wishes and that's that only applies to me. That shouldn't apply to you. That shouldn't, uh, that shouldn't apply to anybody else. And then there's the the whole uh, problem of your loved ones. What do they want? There's some that'll be like, as long as he's alive, there's a chance. But, you know. 
Well, in uh, in France, it doesn't matter what they tell you. No matter what they tell you, no matter what they want to do to you. Uh, like, what if? What about the people in France that didn't want to take that mRNA injection? See, see what this is setting up. And I'm almost certain that whoever's running, uh, who, whoever's running the resident at the moment, although he thinks he's running it, whoever's running him, they're going to be looking at this, going, "This is not a bad idea. This is how we could compel everybody to get these shots when we want them to get the shots." Because after all, Bill Gates says this is the way to deplete the population. The cesspool of uh, what we face on a daily basis is crazy. But this all, all of this came about because they figured out that you were afraid of COVID. And don't feel bad. I was afraid of COVID too. I was one of the ones with comorbidities that it was supposed to kill. And I caught it. We didn't know what it was. Maybe it was my ignorance that allowed me to survive. I don't know. Maybe I'm just too mean to die. Whatever it is, maybe I'm just too ugly to die. I don't know. But whatever it is, I didn't die from it. So the people that actually died from it are the people that would have died from just about anything that hit them because they were already weakened. They were elderly. They had underlying underlying things. And I'm, you know, one day if anybody ever does the deep dive and does a forensic examination to find out who actually died of uh, COVID, it's not going to be hundreds of thousands and it's not going to be millions. It's going to be in the tens of thousands in 2020 and 2021, possibly. And now, you know, people get COVID now and they're like, hey, I got COVID. All right, I'll be back in about three, four days. And then they go back to work because the human body is remarkable, remarkable, but not in France. In France, if a doctor gets out there and says, well, you know, I'm not really sure, but I think this might be the thing. I had a, I had a doctor one time. One, I, I was in, a, I'm not going to say who it was, but I was a, with occupational health. And they took my blood pressure and they took it really badly. And they were about to uh, come in there. They came in with a whole cup full of medication that I didn't even know what it was. They said, you got to take this because your blood pressure through the roof. Um, and uh, I said, I'm on blood pressure medication. They just didn't know what they were doing. They were like, well, you're going to have to take this. And then they got two guys to try to force me. And I was looking at both of them going, you guys are going to need a doctor if you take one more step. So, yeah, sometimes you need to question your physician just simply because if you want to know, you want to know, right? You, and it's not it's not a crime to do that. I'll be talking to you guys in uh, in about 22 hours. And you, you, my friends, you are listening to News Talk 98.9 WORD, the voice of the Carolinas.